Praise God. Let's pray together before we open his word. Father, we praise you and we marvel at the wonders you have worked through Jesus Christ. And now we turn to your word. We've been speaking and we've been singing praises to you and now we sit and we listen and I pray that you would open your word to us and that you would open us to your word and do wonders in our heart through the power of your word this Easter. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. The children are going to remain in the service with us as we do every Easter. And kids, I always encourage you to do this, and I want to encourage you to do it this Sunday too. I love when you draw pictures of things that you heard in the sermon, because I never know what to expect when you show me after the service is over. So be listening. I'll have some, some images, some, some word pictures that might strike you that you can draw. I'd love to see them after the service. Today we celebrate the greatest series of events in all of human history. Greater than the American Revolution. Greater than the Reformation. Greater than the fall of the Berlin Wall. Greater than the end of World War II. Greater than all those things combined. The events of Jesus' sinless life. His death on the cross for you and for me and for everyone who would believe in him. His burial. His resurrection from the dead and his appearances to people. I just want to remind you of these events this morning. That's my, my singular aim. I just want to remind you of the gospel, the good news of what happened with Jesus Christ. And our text for this purpose is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. You can follow along with me in your Bibles if you would like. There's also an insert in your bulletin that has this passage in the same translation that I'll be reading from. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. The Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the good news, I preached to you, when you re- which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. These are the simple but profound and staggering facts of the gospel. This is what everything we are and everything that we do is based on. This series of events that really happened in history with a man named Jesus. 
Now, Christians are those who have received the gospel that Paul just laid out. Christians are those who have received that. That's what he says in verse 1, if you'll look back. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. That word received isn't a passive word. It's aggressive taking for oneself. The opposite of this kind of receiving isn't rejecting. It's neglecting, ignoring. Many people never reject the gospel of Jesus Christ and yet do not receive it. Jesus taught us that in the Bible. There would be many, many people who would not receive the gospel, who would not receive the benefits of what Jesus did, even though they never reject it. Many people who would even say, yes, I do believe that, yet wouldn't receive it because they neglect it. In Hebrews, God warns us about that. Let us not neglect so great of a salvation, lest we drift away from it. Now, as I was thinking about what this means for us, I thought of a story that I've actually never told you. I usually, I really only have about four different stories that I rotate and I illustrate many different points with the same four stories, but I don't think I've told you this one. But if I have, don't stop me because it's the illustration that I have, so I'm going to tell you. Way, way back when I first began my degree that I'm almost done with now, I lived in Wake Forest. I was newly married to Meredith. And I don't know if you knew this, but Meredith actually took a few classes also at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I began. She is seminary trained. She took a few classes. And I remember this semester when she enrolled in these classes, and we were on campus together, and we were both studying. It was great, but along with that came the added expense of paying for more credit hours than just what I was taking, also what she was taking. And then one day I got in the mail a letter from the school with good news. There was a married student tuition reimbursement. Students who were married got an extra discount on their tuition. And based on how many credit hours we were taking, we were going to receive back $1,000. And that was, uh, that's huge at any stage of life. But when, we're, when you're newly married and both in school at the same time, no career path even thought about yet, this was huge. This was, in the literal sense of the word, this was good news. This was great news to us. And I had it. I had the letter. And so I put it where I put important letters. I don't even remember back then where that was. But in, in the pile, in that stack where you put things that you don't want to neglect, I put it there. But life was busy. We were both students. We were both working. We were learning how to be a married couple. And you know how it goes when you're busy. A, a, a day passes. Next thing you know, a week has passed. Next thing you know, a month has passed. Next thing I knew, the deadline had passed. And I found that sheet of paper, the good news that I had received in some way, but I had neglected it, and the deadline had passed. And I remember... I I pretty much dropped everything, and I went to the school, to the business office with my letter, and I said, I really screwed up. I know I missed the deadline, but I need this. I need this tuition reimbursement, and we are qualified for it. We're a married couple, both enrolled. But in this case, 
The deadline was unyielding. And so I lost that $1,000 that could have been mine. Now, at no point did I reject that letter. I received it gladly. I told people about the letter. I never ripped it up. I never threw it in the trash can. But I didn't receive it in such a way that I received the benefits of it. Even though I never rejected it, I neglected it. And so I lost out. The married couples, the married students who received the tuition reimbursement were the ones who received that letter in the biblical sense. They took hold of it aggressively. They went and made sure that that was their benefit. In a similar way, the Christians who receive the gospel in the way the Bible describes are the ones who take hold of it aggressively for themselves. Not the ones who just think, yes, Jesus Christ is a good idea, I'm pro-Jesus, but the ones who take it for themselves. The ones who say, Christ died for my sins. Christ didn't just die for sins in some abstract way that I think is good. Christ died for me, my sins, my Savior. He was raised not just as the Lord, he was raised as my Lord. And therefore, I take hold of all these benefits this entitles me to. I take hold of this peace with God that is mine through Jesus Christ. I take hold of this spiritual healing that is mine through Jesus Christ. I take hold of this ransom from the domain of darkness that is mine in Jesus Christ. That's what Christians are. Those who have received the gospel like that. I've heard from many people tales of conversion that left no lingering difference in their lives. I talked to one person who in no way trusts and follows Jesus Christ. There is no visible evidence of faith in Christ, no, no evidence of this being his own. But decades ago, he says, he went forward at a Billy Graham crusade and prayed with someone. And so he's good. Now, that's not biblical Christianity at all. That's receiving the good news the way I received that letter, but then filing it away and never actually claiming it for themselves. Did you aggressively take hold of the gospel? The good news is great news for every one of us and everyone out there but only those who take hold of it for themselves receive the benefits of it. If so, if you have received the gospel, you will find yourself standing in the gospel. That's the next point Paul makes in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. See, the gospel isn't a, a certificate that you file away and forget about until you die or Jesus returns and then you rustle through your files and you pull it out and say, man, I'm glad I found it. I'm good. The gospel is the daily living reality for the Christian. It's a standing place. It's the place in which the Christian stands to live his or her life. Imagine that there are two Two people, they've fallen overboard on a cruise ship or something. 
and they're bobbing along in a stormy sea by themselves, no land in sight, no boats in sight, a dark, stormy sea, waves frothing and slapping in the face. They're paddling and paddling and treading water, trying to keep their head above water, trying to survive. They do this about as long as they can. Their arms are exhausted. And then through the mist, they see a silhouette, and it's getting larger and larger. It's a rescuer rowing toward them on a, on a small rowboat. The one individual swims with what remaining energy he has toward the boat. And he gets to the boat and he places his hand on the side of the boat. And he says, my rescuer has appeared. I'm saved. And then he drifts away. The other one, with what remaining energy he has, swims as hard as he can toward the boat. He grabs hold of the edge and says, please pull me up. I cannot do this any longer. The rescuer heaves him overboard into the boat, dripping and slopping everywhere. And begins to row toward mainland. Now, which person is saved? Both had an interaction with the rescuer. One is saved. It's the one who got in the rescue boat. It's the one who stands in the gospel who is saved. Not the one who once at some point had an interaction with the rescuer. Christians are those who stand in the gospel. And we're all born into a stormy sea. We're all born into mortality. We're all born into sin. We're all born into guilt. We're all born into a hopeless situation before a holy God. We're all born into separation from Him. And it's a desperate situation. But there, in the incarnation, what we celebrate at Christmas was a silhouette of the rescuer. He was coming. And he came, and by the time we get to the cross, he's here. The rescue boat is right here. He died for our sins. He was buried and raised from the dead, and he appeared to many people. We have the historical record. Now, those sinners who will allow him to pull them up into the rescue boat will be saved. Those sinners who will stand in the gospel will no longer have their trespasses counted against them. Their sin will be exchanged for righteousness. They'll be standing there every day living in memory of their crucified and raised again Savior. Every day in light of the fact that they're redeemed. Now I imagine all of you are like me and at some point you've questioned your salvation. I have, at many points, questioned my salvation. That's a, that's a natural thing to experience, both as a, a Christian and as a non-Christian, to wonder, am I saved? Have I received the gospel? Am I standing in the gospel? Because Jesus said when he returns, there'll be a lot of people who say, Lord, Lord, I went to church every Sunday in your name. And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. So how can I know? Well, you'll find yourself, if you have received the gospel and you are standing in the gospel, you'll find yourself being saved by the gospel. And that's the progression of Paul's thought here, too. 
He says in verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. And by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Christians are those who are being saved by the gospel. You know, salvation, being purified by Jesus' sacrifice and welcomed into the company of God's people, it is an event, but it's also a process. Often we talk more about the event than the process. It's an event. The moment you climbed into the boat and took your stand beside the rescuer, in that moment you were legitimately saved. Your destiny secured. But you're not yet back to land. And the salvation has not yet been fully completed and fully realized. You received God's goodness and his loving kindness toward you and his mercy through Christ. And the rest of your life, the boat is moving steadily toward the land. Your salvation is secure, but it's not completed until Jesus returns. So positionally, you're washed, you're regenerated, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's done. But practically speaking, your whole rest of your life is going to be learning how to live the clean life, the new life, the Spirit-led life. And you won't be perfected in that until the end, when Christ returns. And so how can you know if you're standing in the gospel? How can you know if you've received the gospel? You'll be getting closer to the land. Progress. Fruit. Progress toward living in light of your justification. Progress toward the reprioritization now that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God and not a citizen of the kingdom of darkness any longer. Progress toward increasing sinlessness in light of the fact that you're forgiven and you're freed and you're not enslaved to sin anymore. Christians are those who are being saved by the gospel, not being the same as they were 10 years ago. Christians are those who have received the good news of Jesus Christ. Who stand in it. Who are being saved by it. This Easter, let's pause our lives. Let's just hit the pause button. Our lives are busy. Our lives are hectic. Our responsibilities are loud, screaming in our ears every week. We get up and we hit the ground running and we don't stop until we go back to bed at night and It's important today, Easter, to hit the pause button and stop and really focus on this. Perhaps the thing that matters the most in your whole life. And I invite you all, receive the gospel. Stand in the gospel. Be saved by the gospel. For some of you, this will be a call to to reinvigorate and renew your faith in Jesus Christ. And for some of you, this may be a call to, for the first time, claim the benefits that are offered to you in Christ. Don't struggle in the stormy sea or live as if you have to. The rescuer is here. He is more than willing to pull you onto the boat. 
and paddle you toward the land to save you. If you've never received the gospel, take hold of it aggressively today. After the service, grab me. We'll pray together. We'll pray through it. During the closing song, be praying to, to the Father through this and say, Father, I've heard about the gospel my whole life. I've always been favorable toward the gospel, but I don't think I've ever really claimed it for myself, and I want to. Deal with him in prayer. Come to me after. I'll pray with you too. If you have, renew your firm stand in the gospel today, in God's grace, in your hope of eternal life. And let's all move forward this Easter together. Live our lives in this world, in the rescue boat, together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us in your word this morning, this Easter Sunday. Lord, there is nothing more important than this, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would take these truths from your word all the way down to the depths of our hearts, and that you would do the work that needs to be done for each and every one of us. May we live in freedom and joy and peace and closeness with you through Jesus Christ. Let there not be a single person in here who walks out back into a life distant from you, Because we don't have to. Jesus solved that problem. So we submit ourselves to you fully. Please do your work among us. In Jesus' name, amen.